Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11, 3, or, or sorry, uh, yeah, 3, to start off with, because that's been our main text, and we are going to conclude uh, ministering spiritual realities, which is truthfully hidden words for submission and authority. Uh, but nobody comes to submission and authority, they, they come definitely to ministering spiritual realities, because they want to do it. So here it is, 1 Corinthians 11.3 says this, but I want you to know that the head of every man, thank you Lord, is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Father, we thank you that we can turn to our leadership, to our headship today. Father, we know that it is from you that all authority flows. That everything that has ever been released or bound has come from you. We thank you, Father, that you have shown us and revealed to us that there has been nothing hidden from us, but Lord, that you have an open hand that you desire to illuminate our lives, that you have shown forth the reason for authority. We thank you, Lord, that we can see clearly how we are to use our authority, how we are to stand and act with our authority. Father, we thank you that Jesus came as a perfect representation of heaven, that he revealed to us your authority on earth. Lord, that it was not limited, that it was not able to be contained by man, but Lord, that no matter what, in the face of what things we say are insurmountable, winds and waves, that living plants would have to respond, but Lord, the biggest miracle of all, the hearts of men, will respond to the authority of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we can ask for forgiveness, that we have an opportunity to sow and release the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that others might be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, we see that uh, the head of every man is Christ. Every single one. Because what's going to happen at the end? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Glory to God. So, I mean, that's it. He's the headship that we all seek for. Everybody says that, see, this is why we can't say that we have bowed ourselves to the author of confusion. Because our head is clear. Our head walks with certainty. Our feet are firmly placed. Everything that he's purposed for us has its own appointed time. And what he has appointed, that he will surely do. He is not, his hand is not too short. So if he spoke it into existence... He's looking over it to perform it. 
And so we do not have foggy moments. Our leadership is precise. We have the mind of Christ. So as we proceed into these things, we realize that it's through the authority that was given to us that we walk and we operate. And so we're going to look at a couple little things here today. Um, as, we, as we wrap this up, I got a couple of authority fails. These are never the things that you want to necessarily wrap up with, but we will wrap up with some authority fails. We're going to use a man after God's own heart. Praise the Lord that says that we have opportunity, right? Because God loved David. God communed with David. We know the heart of David through all the Psalms. We, we see the expression of David. We see the humanity of him. And we find ourselves close to him in some of these regards. And so we see here... One of the very first things that I want to look at as far as an authority fail. It is tough to even say that, but you know what? I'm human, any of you? Will you fail sometime? This is not a faith statement. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it this way. But in your humanity, are you going to walk like deity for the rest of your life? No. Okay, so we're just being truthful. That's why we have the word of God to pick us up. Though a righteous man may fall seven times, the Lord will raise him up. You will fall. So, glory. Anyway, here it is. Uh, uh, 2 Samuel 6, we see in 2 Samuel 6, this is the transportation of the ark. David has desired to bring it um, into Jerusalem, 2 Samuel 6, we know, I mean, everybody kind of knows the story. I probably, I'm not going to, I'm planning on not reading it. I am going to open up to it. And um, we see that David wanted to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. And he sends these guys out to go get it. And what did they do with it? The first time. That's the first time he goes to do it. So they loaded it up on a, it says in verse 3, they set the ark of God on a new cart. Nice and new. That's honor, right? No, that's wrong. That's man's idea of honor. And this is where we're going to go with leadership today. They put it on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanied by the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. That was a good choice that day. Then David and all the house played the music. They're going through. Verse 6. Um, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. See, Uzzah followed up second. And he dies. And we're doing something of God. But what did we, what, what is the, what is, what's the misnomer here? The misnomer is Numbers 4.15 and Deuteronomy 31.9. That says that the sons of Korah 
are to pick up the ark, which we watched all through Exodus, all through, you know, this time, and carry it on their shoulders with the rods that were there that when they put it in the temple, it even stuck out through the veil. I mean, we know how to transport the ark, but David treated it the same way the Philistines did. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it must have been really good. I mean, I really, at this point, still don't know what a hemorrhoid looks like, but golden hemorrhoids sound great, don't they? I mean, that's what the Philistines put on there because these guys had so many that, uh, so, I mean, for one of each of the five kings of the Philistines, they each gave him a golden hemorrhoid. Uh, this, is, this is a great thing. Uh, David responded to the Lord as the Philistines did. Why didn't they die when they loaded it on the ark and sent it out? I don't know if you know how they did that. They, they took a, a calf and separated it from its mother, loaded it on the thing, and they said, if it comes back to us, then it's not them. But if it leaves, whew, we're free because they were having problems in their midst. And that cow did not come back to her suckling little calf. And it made a beeline back with the ark. And David treats the ark the same way the Philistines did. So David neglected God's counsel. You may be in authority, but we never get to neglect God's counsel. If we know and have been brought up and taught what the word of God says to us, as David had in Numbers 4.15 and Deuteronomy 31.9, he knew these words scriptures. That's the first five books of the law. That was committed to memory by the age of 12 to 13, right at that time. They knew this. He knew every story of them walking through the waters and carrying it through the waters. They knew of the history of their nation. This was somebody that made a decision to neglect that which he knew to do. Our authority does not allow us to neglect obedience. And so we cannot neglect God's counsel. That's number one. Another authority fail from David. Like I said, we're just going to look at David. And then we're going to see the son of David. Which, down the lineage of ways. Second Samuel we see here this one has always been kind of odd to me we had a discussion about a few weeks ago not not here but uh, uh, actually at work and it's just interesting because they come around and we see that this here is the taking of a census the taking of the census and so I'm going to read it this way it says as to why God was angry at David I'm going to I want to look at something here on this. I, want, I don't know if it's here or in Chronicles. That's not it. It's not Second Samuel 2. It's Second it's Samuel 24. There we go. Now I get you to the right place. Second Samuel 2 is not right. And yeah, it says, The anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. He moved David against him to, and to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Uh, there's a bunch of, uh, if you start to study into that, 
um, one, one version, if you would, if you took some of those words, it, instead of saying that the Lord inside of it says that he allowed counsel. So David could have just heard somebody say, hey, why don't you count all your people? That he listened to poor counsel. And, um, in Chronicles, uh, when it says it, it says that Satan was incited against him, but the word Satan actually is the word that means uh, counseled against God. It doesn't mean necessarily Satan as far as capital S, say, if, if there's a capital S on Satan. I don't know. I think he's just a, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, but so David had counseled or thought was inside, and he decided to take a, a census of the people. Now, why do people take censuses? So even today, when we go to take a census, we, we, redistribute districts, voting districts, power, authority. Things start to change within it. I mean, your schools get funded or not funded. Your, your cities get expanded or closed down. You get more government finance or less government finance. Many things happen with a census. Another thing would be, you know how much you have. I'm going to go count all of my sheep today. I want to know. Hey, you remember when you were a kid, how many times did you dump out that, that uh, jar of coins and count them? Why did you keep taking that census? What? I have $6.43 in pennies. Yeah. Took me, took me 20 minutes to count it all. Whew, the pennies. I just played with it in my fingers. Just... Anybody else ever done these type of things? Come on, this is a reality. Okay, these little things that can lead into your heart that do these things. Uh, so, um, here's this. A man only had the right to count or number what belonged to him in the word of God. Who did Israel belong to? To the Lord. Okay. Israel did not belong to David. Israel belonged to God. In Exodus 30, 12, verse 12, God told Moses, when you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. It was up to God to command a census, and if David counted, he should have only done it at the Lord's command. And he would have had to have received an atonement, a tax, a uh, half shekel, I believe is what it was, for counting. This is why God was very angry again with Israel and also why David was conscience-stricken after he counted. David knew it was wrong and begged God to take away the guilt of his sin. So, now, if you know the story, I've always, this is one of those ones I always chuckled at. I've been so guilty of being Joab in this situation. It is not funny. Um, Joab counsels the king, says, why would you do such a thing? Because he tells him to go out and count, perform the census. And Joab's like, why would you do such a thing? He knew it was a sin against God. And Joab is not a godly man. I mean, if you study Joab in his life, whew, he was, he was David's uh, cousin is who he was. Uh, it's his, his uh, sister's kid 
is Joab, you know. So who knows if he was older or younger, but Joab's family. And he lived with this black sheep his whole life, actually. But uh, Joab counsels against it because he even knows that this is ungodly and wrong. But David did it anyway. And then the Lord judges them, judges David, and says, what you did was wrong. And he gives him three choices. Was he going to suffer at the hands of, the, of his enemies? Was he going to allow famine to invade? Or was he going to allow God to, to strike them? And David says, I'm not going to rely on, rely on the mercies of men, which the first one would be foreign enemies. He, he, he didn't want to see what famine would do, but he said, the mercy of God. I plead for the mercy of God. The plague comes, 70,000 Israelites die. And it says the Lord was bereaved and, he wit- and withheld. He was merciful. He says, I cannot do this. He always does. He will never put you in a place of judgment that you cannot outlive. There may be death in parts of your life because of your decisions, but you will always live with God. Follow him. And so we see here that David assumes, this is his fail in authority here, he assumed the authority of God. He got too close in a way that I can make this decision. I can, and now he's got overstep. And he assumed or stepped over into a realm that was not his. Has anybody suffered overstep in their life as a leader? Okay. It will cost you. And it, it resulted in this time in death. A third way that David um, shows us a failure of authority is Bathsheba. Second Samuel 11. In the time when kings go to war, David remained behind in Jerusalem. Hmm. And then he can't sleep. He's not out with the boys, you know, doing what he's supposed to do. I've heard about how the labor of the diligent will add wealth to you. I, I know that, that the Lord wants you to sow the ground. I know that he wants you to keep these things. I know he wants you to be a steward of what he's assigned to you. And so we find here, though, that David refused to go out with the kings in that time. Now, I'm going to bring up something here. First Samuel 8, verse 19. Here's a, this is actually Samuel himself before the appointment of Saul, okay? This is expectations that are put out there. First Samuel 8, verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us that we, may, we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Where is David? Doing what his role entitles, tells him to do? Or did he just 
Step away from a responsibility. He did. So we see that he refrained from his authority. He was delegated to go out and lead in battle. Now when he gets older, they say, we do not want you to die. You're getting old and frail and things like this. Now come back and stay with us. The people called him back. But we see that, that uh, David had refrained from a duty that was handed to him that his authority recommended. Now, here's the thing. So, in transporting the ark, Uzzah dies. In taking up the census, 70 die. In staying with Bathsheba, the child dies. Leadership has weight. If you refrain from your authority, death. If you overstep your authority, death. If you neglect your authority, death. The thing is, David lived through all this. So who died? The others all died. The children, the counselors, the people. What do you look like, your authority, in your house? What does it look like in your business? What does it look like around you? Judge for yourself how your authority is being administered. Because there's a heavy consequence if we're not living as we ought. God has empowered us to live to the full. There is no way we point a finger at him in the end and say, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't parent this day. I couldn't lead this day. I couldn't be a good friend this day. My counsel to these women or to these men this day. I, no. We have to hold ourselves to the level of the authority that was released to us. And so let's take another example. But let's take it from the son of David, and not Solomon, but Jesus Christ. And we'll go all the way to Matthew 4. <coughs> Matthew 4. And this obviously is not a leadership fail. This is leadership at one of its finest moments. But its leadership stated, nonetheless, this is the temptation of Christ. And we see that Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into a glorious abundance. Oh, is that a different translation? Uh, into the wilderness to see 
the manifestation of God. Right? I mean, I'm following God. I know the Spirit led me here. Why do I feel like I'm alone? Oh, when do you get prepared? Who passed every one of your tests in school? Kid next to you? Teacher? Or you? Preparation only can result from you. There's only one person responsible for you. It's you. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We will not say the Lord tempts us. Because he cannot. Led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And afterward, he was hangry. I mean hungry, hungry. Hungry, 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 not hangry, not hangry. But, <clears throat> I mean, I've fasted for at least four hours and I got hungry. Uh, four days will make you hungry. Forty? Nah, I haven't even, not even trying it. <clears throat> but now that he's weak, now that he's a little emaciated, now that he's broke down, now. The tempter came. Because he likes you when you're strong. Realize when he comes. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Because he's not strong enough to take on somebody that's strong. Because he doesn't have the aptitude to beat the efficiency that the Holy Spirit places upon you. Because the all-sufficient one, when you rely upon him, doesn't lack any sufficiency. So he cannot touch you, but when you are weak, when you've had it up to here, that's when he's going to show up. Has anybody, I mean, oh my goodness, I had it just the other day. Nobody's around to watch my fit, but whatever. Just a, it was rough, dude. People that were around that day, they know. Rough. Still remember this. So what happens when you're rough, you're tired, you're ready to quit? It's been a long week, right? Memorial Day weekend's coming up. Why can't it be here sooner? Glory to God, I've earned this, or whatever you want to say. I just, just, it's time. And I still remember this. Don't even know, whatever. Nobody was around, praise the Lord, for this. But, so I, I'm pulling masking off of the baseboard of trim. That's not hard. A little bit of tape stuck on a little bit of base. Pulling it up. Just, just, you just, you just grab it like this and you pull. So I'm 
I'm doing this. And I'm in a hurry because it's taking too long. And I'm tired. And that day I didn't eat lunch. I just kept powering through. And we're just doing this. And so I'm grabbing it. And sure enough, the assistance of the past was behind me. Six-foot ladder. Um, that somebody had placed there to reach the top of a window. But I'm not looking at a six-foot ladder. I'm looking at tape. And I just want it to go away. And I'm pulling on this tape. And I come around the corner. And I brained myself with that ladder. And power came upon me. And I grabbed the ladder. And all I wanted to do was extract vengeance on it. I just wanted to heave it through a wall or a window or anything. I picked it up set it down. Ah! It just... Oh, you know, you've been there? Anybody? Just the boil is on full throttle. I mean, the cartoons are out the ears. It's just there. You're feeling it. And I put it down. I'm like, back to the tape. Oh. And then. Words like this come to me. When you're weak, you conniving, deceptive maggot that's trying to rot my life, that wants to steal of my finances and my time, that wants to ruin my word and my reputation. Everything that could have went off in one moment can be restored. And I kept pulling the tape. And I let go. But it's there. I had the authority to yell at the assister that had put that ladder there. I had the authority to walk away from it and refrain from my responsibilities that day. Nobody would have quantified anything as being wrong if I would have walked out of that house right then and just said, you know what, you guys finish this. I could have done many of these very things. But when we don't, we will get the blessing. And so... We'll press in here. Jesus is tired. And he's hungry. And he's been fasting. And he's in the wilderness. And the devil says to him in verse 3, If you are the Son of God, Duh! He knows what Mary taught him. We haven't even gone. You know, one of the best submission scriptures, which we'll get to here, is uh, 
I'll just grab it. Luke 2, 51 through 52. And he, that is Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth. This is when he's 12, going to the temple. And he continued, continued, in subjection to them. He's 12 years old. I'm a man by Jewish standards. I can go do, I can go get married. No, maybe too young. Anyway, uh, but I can, I can work. I got a job. Do we allow people to start babysitting at 12? How many girls start babysitting around 12 or young? Yeah, look at, that. look at this. Everybody's hands goes up. Oh, so you start to assume responsibilities at this age. Jesus could do this, but what did he do here in Luke 2, 51 through 52? He continued in subjection to them. Who is them? His parents. And his mother treasured. You want to become a treasure to somebody? Subject yourself to them. You want to find out if you have value? Treasure has value. Subject yourself to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom. He's increasing in wisdom. He's increasing in stature. He's increasing in favor with God. And he's increasing in favor with man. At 12 years old. Wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Increasing in it. You mean as the son of God? God, he didn't have it in full authority. No, he came as a man. He came as a man. He had to grow in these things. So he was tested in every way such as we are. He knows us. He lived in the earth suit. He took on the flesh. He gave up the deity of heaven. And we see that he kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And Satan here in Matthew 4, 3 says to him, if you are the son of God. My mom's been telling me, she told me about the angels. I seen the money that was there from those wise men. I know how we went down to Egypt and everything was paid for. I know that we became a foreigner in another country, but all provision was made before we got there. Kings came and endowed us with everything that we had need of. The Lord, my parents have told me about this. I've seen myself in the scriptures. I've talked to the scribes. And this tempter comes to him when he's hungry and asks him this base Stupid question. If you are the son of God. What fries you the most? 
when your authority is in question over the base, simple, stupid things. Who made you in charge? Dude, weren't you in the room? Who said that you can do it? I, you know, you have a badge, you have a role. It's like, my name's on the company. I, are you kidding me? You know, or whatever it is, you, you have, I was appointed. Did you hear mom when she left? She said, I'm in charge. This, when, if you want to get really boiled, for me anyway, ask a very stupid question and assume that you're going to, you know, this is bait. He's a tempter. He wanted to trip him up. He just wanted him to fall, to re release his ability to administer justice in the end. And he says, if you are the son of God, command, use your authority that these stones become bread. You're hungry, right? Pet peeve. I'm going to tell you right now. I only hear it once or twice a week. Aren't you the boss? You're ignorant and unlearned people that do not know what it is to master. Every single time. Yes. That's like saying... Aren't you the parent? There's no difference. Aren't you God? That's rebellion. That's rebellion. You are lifting up your voice and violently spitting in their face. Why don't you just do this? But Jesus' response... He answered and said, it is written, I will not come to my own aid. I will only speak what I've been given authority. I'm going to tell you what I was told, not because of who I am, but because of who said it. And he goes and says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We know he believed this so much that when he talked to the woman at the well and the disciples come back to him because they went into town to get him food and they come back and they, and they say, well, here, and he goes, and, and he goes, no, I'm okay. And they're like, where did you get food? And he had said to him, he had food that they did not know of. He had sustenance because he had tapped and reached in to a spiritual provision of the all-sufficient one. And he knew the word of God would satisfy him. And he did not need a physical answer in that moment. If I was going to take a natural thought... He had fasted for 40 days for crying out loud. He just went into town to get food. I mean, do you really think that he's not going to live? Right? I mean, if I just took the natural side of it. 
So we see that Jesus refuses to use his authority to satisfy personal desire. If we use our authority to satisfy a personal desire, we've overstepped the entire reason you had authority in the first place. It's not for you, it's for others. Jesus came that he might die for us, and he came to empower us that we might live in full in Christ. He came and gave himself, and he stepped out of heaven and became nothing for us. And we get to become all that he has we get to rise and ascend with him if we use our authority for personal gain for personal <coughs> desires we overstepped we will all face our turn these stones to bread moments in leadership. The question is, will we use the authority given to us to provide for a personal want, need, or desire? To be fully reliant upon God is to have the faith to patiently endure until the manifestation of the seeded word of God regarding the current situation is manifested. I'm just going to wrap this up real fast. I'll read a couple quick scriptures. We'll close. First Peter 5.5, 5, you guys are going to have to put this last little bit together, and, uh, but I'm going to get to a close here. You young men, likewise be subject to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Andrew Murray says this, it says, The danger of pride is greater and nearer than we think. That is especially true at the time of our greatest experience. When you hit your high and you're smiling and everything's good, now's the time. Now's the time that it will strike. When you get that accomplishment, when you get that accolade, when you got that one moment, now's the time that pride is going to rear its head. Now's when you are at the very edge or the precipice of falling off into something and you trip up. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says this. This is Paul. And he has said to me, this is Christ regarding the thorn in the flesh. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Present yourself to the body. I'll say that right there. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses. You know, if you, Proverbs says that if you have to continue to tell everybody uh, about what you did. You know who should be boasting about you? Not you. Let somebody else talk. Let somebody else talk. You don't need to talk. If you do a good enough job, everybody will talk about you. Just that. Verse 10. Or no, I'll, I'll, and he said to me, this, I'm going to go First uh, Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. <sighs> boast about your weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in you. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses because he's content with the power of Christ within him. 
with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Full authority was delegated to the church by Christ. Our submission is the gate by which it manifests in our lives. It is the graceful act of Jesus Christ that created this gateway. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. It was his submissive act of humility that released the grace that is our help in time of need. May we take, upon our, take up our cross, reflecting the sacrifice of our leader, and empower others to partake of the divine empowerment or grace to operate with authority in their lives as well. And so we'll pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to learn and to grow. Father, we thank you that you have appointed us, delegated things to us, given them to us. Father, we thank you for the boundaries, the jurisdictions. Father, that we will not overstep or assume things. Lord, that we will not neglect things. But Lord, that we will walk in the divine counsel of heaven. Father, that we will do as Jesus said. We will only say the things we hear our Father say. We will only speak or do the things that our Father does. Lord, we do what we've seen you do. Father, we want to be a representation of Christ upon the earth. We thank you for the divine grace and empowerment to live out of heaven. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit constantly, always with us, abiding, teaching, leading, and guiding. We thank you that you are with us and we are not alone and that we can pursue the victory over this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.